Ezekiel chapter 34. As you know, God is pleased by the means of preaching. That being the preaching of men. Men that God uses as instruments of grace to save them that believe. God calls these whom He saves His sheep. In a parable in Luke chapter 15, verse 6, the Lord said, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep which was lost. In John chapter 10, Christ said, I'm known of my sheep and have known of mine. He said, I laid down my life for the sheep. They're His sheep. They belong to Him. The Lord Jesus added, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must bring. One day the Lord Jesus said to some, you believe not because you're not of My sheep. My sheep hear My voice and I know them and they follow Me. The Lord asked Peter after the Peter had denied the Lord three times. Three times the Lord asked Simon, lovest thou Me? He said, feed My sheep. They're my sheep. Jeremiah 23, verse 2 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, you've scattered my flock, you've driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. It's serious business to mess with God's sheep. In Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6, the Lord said, My people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Again, I remind you, this flock is His flock. This church is His church. And these sheep are His sheep. The church at Corinth had become followers of men. You know that. Instead of followers of the Good Shepherd. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Good Shepherd. Some of them said, well, I'm of Paul and I follow him and his doctrines and his teachings. And others said, well, I'm of Apollos. I, I prefer his more eloquent speech over Paul's. And then others stood up and said, well, I kind of like Peter. You know, uh, he's a straight shooter. He's plain spoken. He, he's a, he's a, a man's man. I'm going to follow him. And Paul said, are you not all carnal? Are you not walking as fleshly-minded men and women? Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in My name, Paul asked? And then Paul asked this question or these questions. He said, who then is Paul? That's what every Gospel preacher will say concerning themselves. Who am I? Nobody. Who's Apollos? Who's Peter? He said, we're just ministers, shepherds, servants. A minister is one who attends to the needs of someone. Paul said, we are no more than ministers, servants by whom you believed. Just instruments that God used in order to reveal Christ in the Gospel to you. We're simply the means to show you the one thing needful, the Lord Jesus. You know, that's what the word pastor means in the Bible. It means shepherd or under-shepherd. A shepherd under the one who owns the sheep. 
And Paul is saying here, one shepherd plows and one shepherd plants and another shepherd waters, but it's God that gives the increase. Ain't no under-shepherd can give the increase. Oh, they can plow, they can cultivate, they can plant, they can water, but only God can give the increase. Salvation is the work of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord said, no man can come to Me except except the Father which sent Me. Draw Him. And I'll raise Him up at the last day. Salvation's of the Lord. He does the drawing. He does the raising up. He gives the increase. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. David wrote, The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. And then he said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Who does? The Lord does. My shepherd does. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Who leads the sheep? The shepherd does. Our souls would never be still if we didn't if he didn't lead us. He restoreth my soul. Our souls would never be restored if the Lord did not give us life. We fear no evil because he is with us. We would have no comfort if not for His rod and His staff. We would die of hunger if not for Him, our great Shepherd, preparing a table before us in the midst of our enemy. We would have no joy apart from Him anointing our heads with oil and causing our cups to run over. We'd have no safety apart from His goodness and His mercy following us all the days of our life. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. We would have no eternal life apart from Jesus Christ being our great shepherd. Now here in Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord by the prophet Ezekiel calls the shepherds of Israel to give an account of their neglect of the sheep. The Holy Spirit reveals in Hebrews chapter 13, that the Lord put these shepherds, these pastors, to watch over the souls of His people. They, and they must give an account for that. One day I'm going to stand accountable before God. What I preached to you. What I told you. That's serious, serious business. I don't take it lightly. In Luke chapter 16's parable, that rich man called his steward that wasted his goods. You remember that story? He said, give an account of thy stewardship. It's coming. We're going to give an account. That's what the Lord's doing here in Ezekiel chapter 34. He's calling these shepherds to give an account. He's holding these shepherds responsible for what they haven't done. You see, He didn't only hold us responsible for what we do, but for what we don't do. Now, verse 1, Ezekiel 34, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy 
and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? That's a question. Should they not? You're feeding yourselves. You're not feeding the flock. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy against the shepherds, the pastors of Israel. Now that word prophesy means to speak by inspiration. That's what true preaching is. It's speaking by the inspiration of God. God's true servants speak words that are God-breathed. That's what the Spirit is. It's, it's the breath of God. And the word uh, prophecy uh, or prophesy means to communicate with just simple discourse. I've had people tell me, I, I, I like the way you preach. You preach simply. What a compliment. That's what preaching is. It's to simply declare what God has done for sinners. That's the good news. How can a wretch like me be saved? How can one who is nothing but sin, sin being what I am, how can I be reconciled to a thrice holy God? If you tell me it's something that I've got to do, that's not good news because I can't do anything to be saved. But if you tell me it's something that God has done for me, I rejoice in that. Now a similar word, prophecy, is a, a spoken or written prediction. When the Scriptures talk about prophecy, it means that God gave certain prophets the gift to be able to foretell and predict future events. Ezekiel was such a prophet. But however, here uh, God is telling Ezekiel to speak by the inspiration of the, the breathed words of God and tell these shepherds, these pastors, that He's not at all pleased with them. And it's important to know that God doesn't just predict that certain things have come to pass. God purposes that they come to pass. And at times He was pleased to have His prophets foretell things before they happened as a means of blessing or warning. And this as this chapter goes on, God tells these prophets and His people what's going to come to pass in the process of time. But in these first verses, Ezekiel, by the divine inspiration of God, is rebuking these shepherds because God's displeased with their actions and their neglect. In verse 2, the Lord through Ezekiel voices these displeasures. He said, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that defeat themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Of course. That's what a shepherd does. In verse 3, the Lord says, You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool of the sheep. You're not feeding the sheep. You're fleecing the sheep. Big, big difference. Again, shepherds is speaking of those men whom God has given custodial care. I can't think of any better word to say. He's given them custodial care over God's sheep. Just as natural shepherds take care and watch over the sheep that have been entrusted to them, these pastors, these shepherds, were and are given the responsibility of tending to God's flock who are the chosen of God. Remember what God said? That's my flock. That's my sheep. These are my people. 
And that's what God has called me to do here. That's, that's what God called Brother Gene to do many years in Rescue California. Do you know what, what there, uh, did you know that there are sheep owners in Wyoming that have thousands upon thousands of sheep? So many that they cannot take care of them themselves, so they hire shepherds from Spain that come to Wyoming and tend their sheep year round. You know, I was thinking about that as I read that tidbit. God has sheep all over this world. He's got uh, sheep all over Kentucky. Uh, here in Madisonville, Danville, Lexington, Louisville, now, now Sellersburg, Pikeville, Ashland. And in Tennessee, you've got College Grove, Crossville, Kingsport. Just the groups that we know of. God calls pastors, He calls shepherds to oversee His flock, His people, to teach them. In the times of Ezekiel, God did the same thing. His people were all over Israel and we didn't have uh, live streaming and uh, sermon audio and all these means that we have today. He said teachers, shepherds, pastors in different places to teach the people. But these shepherds stopped feeding the people and began feeding themselves. They ate the fat. They clothed themselves with the wool, the support that the sheep gave while providing nothing to the sheep in return. There's a lot of that going on today. Verse 4, The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, Neither have you brought again that which was driven away, and neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. Now the Holy Spirit here gives us four or five things concerning the character of God's sheep. First, they're diseased. They're sick with the disease of sin. Sin is... is Leprosy is a good picture of sin. And these uh, weak sheep, these pastors had not strengthened them or endeavored to heal or help them at all. Secondly, they're said to be broken. Broken from the labor of the heavy sins that's upon them. These self-occupied shepherds neglected to care for the sheep. And God wasn't happy about it. God ain't happy about it today. Thirdly, they were driven away. And it was the shepherds, the very ones that had vowed to before God to take care of the sheep, that had done so. It was the shepherds that had scattered the sheep. And fourthly, they were lost. They were confused. Didn't know where they were. The shepherds did not seek them to return them to the fold. And according to verse 4, the sheep were treated with cruelty and forced to serve instead of being served. Sound familiar? Sheep are not ravenous like lions and they're not crafty like foxes and they're not swift like the hare. They're not foul like the swine. They don't eat decaying flesh like a raven. Sheep are timid and 
trembling and fearful and weak and defenseless and helpless, dumb and, and gentle and prone to wander and prone to stray. They need a shepherd. Verse 5, And they were scattered. Why? Because there is no shepherd. And they became meat or food to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. But here, friends, we have the Gospel. The Lord said, I'm going to do all these things that you shepherds haven't done. And you know who the Good Shepherd is. And verse 16 is my text. That's what the Lord Jesus, the faithful shepherd of the sheep, this is what He's going to do. Now this is Ezekiel prophesying of what is to come. This is what Jesus Christ the faithful shepherd will do for his sheep. I'm interested. I'm interested. In verse 16, the Lord says, I will seek that which is lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. The Lord said, I'm going to do that. This is what the true shepherd does. This is what Christ has done for His sheep. Today, the majority of self-professed pastors, shepherds, are concerned about everything but the sheep. They concern themselves with many things. Natural things, physical things, religious things, but not with the scattered sheep. They're concerned with their programs. They're concerned with their fundraising. They're concerned with their building projects. They're concerned with their worship team. But they haven't done what they're supposed to do. Feed the sheep. They've been busy. They've been active. They've been zealous. They've been enthusiastic. They're ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And God says to these shepherds, they're only feeding themselves when they should be feeding the flock. These disciples, the disciples came to the Lord toward the end of His time on earth, His earthly ministry. And they said, tell us what shall be the sign of Your coming and how will we know the end of the world is near? And the Lord said, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in My name saying, I am Christ, or that come, uh, say that they're coming from Christ. Same difference really. And they shall deceive many. And you see, most people today even assume that these end time deceivers are associated with these radical groups on the fringes of society? Not so. No, sir, not so. They are self-appointed shepherds who disguise themselves in the ministry. Paul said, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Why should we marvel at that? Why, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Angel meaning messenger. Light meaning the Gospel. Satan can transform himself into a messenger, a preacher of the Gospel. I know a lot of folks think I harp too much on religion. Well, I, I don't apologize because I'm telling you, I've got people that I love that are in hell because of it. This is serious, serious business. 
His ministers also are able to transform themselves as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. I'm trying to warn sinners at the pitfalls of these shepherds who eat the fat and clothe themselves with the wool of God's sheep. Woe be to these shepherds that do feed and clothe themselves. Their end shall be according to their works. So, the first thing God says in verse 16 is, I'll seek that which is lost. I'm so glad. That's who the, that's who the Lord saves, the lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When the Lord sent out His disciples, He said, Go not into the ways of the Gentiles, into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That Canaanite woman that came to the Lord, whose daughter was grievously vexed with a spirit, she, she, she cried and the Lord didn't answer a word. And she cried all the more for mercy. And He said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's who He came to save. Lost sheep. What does it mean to be lost? You'd be surprised how many people don't know. Many preachers don't know. And I'm convinced that they don't because they wouldn't preach the things they preach if they did know. To be lost is not to be able to find one's way. To be lost is not knowing where you are. To be lost is to know not know where you're going. You know, I read a story not long ago about Albert Einstein who was traveling on a train and the conductor came down the aisle as he did to punch the tickets of every passenger. And he came to the famous professor and Einstein reached in his vest pocket, couldn't find his ticket. He stood up and going through his trousers and still couldn't find it. He looked on the seat next to him, wasn't there. And the conductor said, Mr. Einstein, he said, I recognize you. I know who you are. And I'm sure you bought a ticket. There ain't no question about that. Don't worry about it. And Einstein nodded his head with appreciation and smiled. And the conductor continued right on down the aisle punching tickets. And he was ready to move on to the next car. And he looked back. And now Mr. Einstein is on his hands and knees looking under the seat for his ticket. And the... Uh, and, and the conductor came back to him and he said, Mr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about finding your ticket. He said, I know who you are. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. And Einstein looked at the conductor and he said, young man, I too know who I am. And he said, and I know I bought a ticket. He said, my problem is, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> there are many that are lost and don't know where they're going. Brother Mayhem once gave the illustration of a young boy who lived on the edge of the woods and his mother had told him time and time again, you can play in the yard, but don't you dare go out into those woods. And one day, he saw a beautiful butterfly and he began to follow that butterfly. And before you know it, he was out in those woods. That butterfly flew here and that butterfly flew there and he, that little boy was so engaged in the butterfly with all its beautiful colors... He didn't realize that he had wandered further and further from home. And pretty soon he lost interest in the butterfly and he realized that he was lost. 
He had no idea where he was. He didn't know which way was the way home. And he cried for his father. That's the kind of lost I'm talking about. As we say in Kentucky, plum lost. Plum lost. Not many know what it is to be plum lost like this. I'm reminded of another story I heard. A, a ship went down in a storm and one man survived. He was washed up on shore with a small bag of tools that came from the ship, of all things, to wash up with him. And he built a small shelter to protect himself from the elements. And he had but one goal. And that was to be rescued. He was lost. He didn't know where he was and nobody knew where he was. And in the daytime, he'd scan the horizon for a ship. And he'd scavenge for food in the evening. And then he would repeat the same process day after day. Well, one evening, as he went out and scavenged for food, he returned to his shelter to find that lightning and a storm had struck his uh, shelter and it was on fire and the shelter burned up and the tools that he had burned up with it and everything was lost oh and he was hopeless and in despair and he sat there on the beach contemplating death he said this is the end now i know death i don't have any hope i've lost everything tears ran down his cheeks and he exhausted himself crying and he fell asleep and when he woke up, he saw in the distance a large ship and he heard a commotion and he looked and here's a little uh, lifeboat or gurney or whatever you call them on shore and sailors are walking towards him and he can hardly believe his eyes. And uh, he said, um, they said, well, they said to him, we saw your smoke signal so we came to help. Sometimes we got to be lost and we got to lose everything in order to be saved. Only our great shepherd can find us. Are you lost? Well, the Lord says here in our text, I'll seek that which is lost. Isn't that good news? If He seeks me, He'll find me. He's never failed. He's never sought one that He did not find. Kind of like that young boy walking with his father. His father asked, how far are we from home? And the little boy said, Daddy, I don't know. And he said, well, what street are you on? And he said, Dad, I have no idea. And the father teasingly said, it sounds to me like you're lost. And the little boy said, oh, no, 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 Daddy. He said, I can't be lost because I'm with you. We can't be lost when Christ our shepherd's with us. Some of you have been lost and the Lord found you and you'll never be lost again. Secondly, the Lord says here in verse 16, I'll bring again that which was driven away. The sheep is lost in the wilderness. What drove that sheep away? Unable to return on its own. Why is the sheep out there by itself? The butterfly came by. That's right. The butterfly came by. In the Garden of Eden, the butterfly came by and our first parents tried to lay hold on it. And the butterfly was sent by the serpent. It was the serpent's butterfly. And God had said, you can eat of the fruit of all the trees of the garden but this one. And Eve said, we can eat of all of them but this one. And the serpent said, 
you shall not surely die. And he said, we'll die if we do. He said, you shall not surely die. Here comes the butterfly. For God doth know in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw the beauty of that butterfly. And she saw that the tree was good for food. And she took of the fruit and ate and gave it to her husband and he did eat. And God drove them out of the garden. Man left God and lost the way and the truth and the life. And God drove him out because of his disobedience and sin. That's why we're driven out. But here's the Gospel. God says, I'll bring again that which was driven away. God said, I'll seek that which is lost. And I'll bring again that which was driven away. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Good Shepherd, goes after that which is lost until He finds it, the Scripture said. He's not going to stop until He finds it. And when He had found it, He's... And he's going to find it. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. Rejoicing. Likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented. Our good shepherd brings again that which was driven away, and he does so by the sacrifice of himself. Thirdly, our good and faithful shepherd. That's who we're talking about. He'll will do what he's going to do is bound up that which is broken. That's something that the shepherds of Israel had not done. That's something that so-called shepherds today are not doing. Preachers then and preachers now neglect to take the sword of God's word and cut out that festering and putrefying sore of sin that plagues each and every one of us. They tell folks everything's alright with them. Everything's alright with you and God. Well, you and God got a good thing going on. <clears throat> they convince men that they're not sick. And, uh, and that's why the Lord said those that are well, righteous and whole in their own sight, have no need. No need of fixing. No need of a physician to heal them. But that's not so. They're broken. They are broken. The harling shepherd doesn't bind up that which is broken. They stick a little band-aid on the sore and they say, that'd be alright. That'd be alright. We need to move you over here and get you on the church road. But deep down is rotting, festering, and putrefying sores that have not been bound or mollified with ointment. Like the sepulchers that look beautiful that we talked about in the first hour. Beautiful on the outside, but nothing within but corruption full of dead man's bones. Is anything that's broken good for anything? Not if it's really broken. Can you drink out of a broken glass? Can you see out of a broken mirror? Can you drive a broken car? I've tried. don't work very well. Can you walk with a broken leg? His brother, ask Brother Paul next time you see him if he can turn his head with a broken bone in his neck. 
Matter of fact, he's got a brace on that keeps that from happening. That's what preachers today try to do to folk. They try to put brace on their neck where they can't look to Christ. There's only one thing that is at its best when it's broken. You know what it is? The heart. That's it. That's the only thing that's of any count when it's broken. Psalm 34:18 says, "The the Lord, excuse me, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and He saveth such as be of a contrite or guilty spirit." The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, Thou wilt not despise. A broken heart is well-pleasing to God. And in Christ, a broken heart is all that God will accept. Has God broken your heart? A broken heart implies sorrow. When folks suffer loss or the loss of a loved one, they say, my heart's broken. And it is, isn't it? But a broken heart before God is a godly sorrow. Our hearts are broken because we've sinned against God. A sorrow of sin before God is what a broken heart is. May God grant us that kind of sorrow. And fourthly, in verse 16, the faithful shepherd says, I will heal that which is sick. Our great shepherd is the great physician. What's our sickness? Well, our whole head is sick. And the whole heart's faint. We've got brain issues and we've got heart issues. I'm so tired of hearing men and women say, I'm not perfect, but I'm not all that bad. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And if you say you aren't, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to God. John said, if we say that we've not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Those that are whole have no need of the physician. Not just a physician, but the physician. The great physician. That's talking about Christ. But they that are are what? Sick. Oh, if you're sick, you need a doctor. And if you're so sick, like we are by nature, you need the great physician. You need the physician, not just a physician. Are you sick? Christ came not to call the righteous, those that are whole in their own opinion and in their own mind. Christ came to call sick sinners to repentance. And it's Jesus Christ, the faithful shepherd, who strengthens that which is sick. Only He can. The Lord strengthens the weak and the sick. Our Lord said the flesh is weak. It is, isn't it? Oh, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. The Lord said, will you watch and pray with me one hour? Yes, Lord, we will. And they fell asleep. This happened again and again. And the Lord said, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And it is. It is so weak. The law could not save us. Why? Because it's weak through the flesh. That's our flesh. We're too sick. We're too weak. We're too dead to keep God's law. We can't be saved that way. God's sheep are fools for Christ's sake. We're weak. Christ is strong. He's the one that strengthens us. 
What a word this is from Christ, our faithful shepherd. It's a, it's a word that distinguishes His sheep. I know people don't like that. But the Lord says, I'll feed my flock. What a sweet word my is. <laughs> Especially when it's the Lord that uses it. Especially when it's the Lord using it concerning me and you. Mine. He's mine. He's mine. That's my child. That's my daughter. That's my son. He's mine. What a word of consolation. He will feed His flock. He will. Not if you do something. Not if you don't do something. He will feed His flock. What consolation that is. What a word of assurance. He will. He will. He will. Not I think I will. Not I may. But I will. What a word of divinity. Who is it that says these things? The Good Shepherd. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's God our faithful shepherd. Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the Good Shepherd and the Good Shepherd giveth His life for the sheep. That's what He said. He said, I'm the Good Shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known of mine. Do you know Him? That's the issue. That's the question of the hour. Do you know the Good Shepherd? What think ye of Christ? He said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Are you following Him? Do you know this good and faithful shepherd? Well, if you do, it's because He chose you. We love Him because He first loved us. And if you know Him, you will follow Him. I can assure you of that. What a shepherd we have. May God enable us to trust Him as the good and faithful shepherd He is. For God's glory, our good, and for Christ's sake.